CFF presents 1% Better, a podcast about CrossFit, nutrition, coaching, mindset, and community. Join us as we embark in casual conversation to shed light on what life is like within these black and yellow walls. With episodes coming at you every Monday, you can follow along with Coach Whitney and Taryn as we talk shop about all things CFF. All right, first off, we want to thank everybody for sending in quite a bit of feedback on our last episode that we did on nutrition and your progress and what that looks like. Um, A lot of people commenting that it was pretty general, which was our purpose to that episode. Each individual component of what we talked about is in and of itself an episode. So yes, we understand that. And yes, we understand you guys want some more specific advice and we'll get there, but we just wanted to introduce nutrition and we appreciate all the feedback that we continuously get week after week. Like, it's just awesome hearing that you guys like it or you don't like an episode or this really resonated with you. It's been fantastic. So keep doing that. That helps like, give us direction and continue on with the, the path that we're on with this podcast. <laughs> Probably my favorite comment is everybody saying, we just love your casual chat. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. Cause that's like our day to day or every day. <laughs> Well, I think today is going to be lots of casual chat because we're kind of switching things up a bit and we're going to learn more about Coach T's competitive CrossFit career. Um, Some of you have been around long enough and you've kind of watched that progress happen, not the past couple years, prior to the past couple years when you were heavily competing. Feels like forever ago. (laughs) It does feel like forever ago. And I only caught it like near the end. Um, and for those of you who um, are new to the gym and don't know that Coach T was a competitive CrossFit athlete, you get to hear her story today. So interview time begins. Do you feel famous <laughs> being interviewed? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So let's talk about like, well, ha- let's touch on like when you started CrossFit and then how did that evolve into something competitive for you? Um, So came home for Christmas holidays from university one year, working out at Benno's Global Gym and just doing some really crappy hang power cleans. I remember it as if I, like I could be standing there right now and I could remember it exactly. And there was some guy in the corner working out with somebody else that I knew. It was a friend of mine. And they were doing something crazy. And I was just like, whatever they are doing, I want to be doing that. That looks fun. And he actually ended up coming over and critiquing my hang power clean and then inviting me to come work out with them the next morning at 5 a.m. And uh, so naturally I show up because it looked fun. And that was my very first CrossFit workout. And after that, I was hooked. That was, was that Fran with Fran. the men's bar? Yeah. yeah. When he, he told me that, you know, it's 2159 thrusters pull-ups you and it's 65 for you but we're going to use 95 and I'm like like that didn't fly with me that the men had a different way and then pull-ups and he's like here you can use this assisted pull-up machine and that's like the worst thing you could tell me at that point right now my (laughs) ego is just like I want to keep up with these guys and so nope he set me up to fail and it was perfect because it was very humbling so I, I remember trying that first thruster at 95 and there is no possible way and made that change very quick. And then I got to the pull-ups and nope, can't do a pull-up. So there I sluggishly (laughs) headed over to the assisted machine with my my chin down, my tail between my legs. And I finished my first round in like five minutes and something. We all start somewhere. (laughs) That's true though, right? (laughs) 
Um, so at what point did, was that, was that actually the point where you were like, Hey, this is awesome. I want to do more of this. When I, I wanted to do more CrossFit. Okay. Yes. Okay. And at what point was it? I want to do this competitively. So that was like a Christmas of my uh, third year of school. And when I came home in April, after finishing that semester, he said to me, you know, you should try for this sectional thing. Like you, you know, you could be pretty good and make it. And can I just backtrack for a second? When you were in at university, were you playing basketball at all? Like, were you doing anything competitively? Well, not with the team, but <laughs> I mean, I would practice with them and stuff. Cause like you like, came out of like high school, like super into basketball. Right? Well, that was the thing though. I wanted to go to school to play basketball right. and um, my career choice that I decided to take in school, it wouldn't let me do that. It wouldn't allow me to do that. It was unethical right. um, just because you knew all the athletes, medical information okay. and things like that. And the the bond you, you have with the athletes as an athletic therapist, it just, it doesn't work. So um, I had to forfeit that. Um, so to fill that competitive void that I had now, when I found CrossFit, it was like perfect for my personality. So it really felt like filled that hole perfect. Um, so I forget where I was going. Um, oh, when so you then, decided yeah. that you wanted to compete. So then I yeah. came home in, after that semester and he said that to me. And that was like the first time that somebody really believed in me that I could be great at something, at something, not just mm-hmm. specifically CrossFit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I knew a little bit about CrossFit at that point because I had, you know, I just found this thing I fell in love with and you, you go hard into researching. You want to learn everything you can possibly about it. And so I knew what the sectionals were, but I mean, when you research it and you find all these people that are competing around the world at these things, you're like, like these, these people are legends. Like what, you know, what could I put up against them? Mm-hmm. So I, I told them, no, you know, I just want to try a local competition first and then, you know, we'll see what happens after that. And that's kind of how I got into the competitive atmosphere of it. And how was your first local competition? <laughs> I've told people. I feel like I need to ask that I question. Feel, I tell people a few times this story, especially when I work with some of the competitive athletes around here and we're, we're going to our first competition. My first advice is always make sure you are drinking water, <laughs> which seems like a pretty common sense type of thing. But man, so we go to Starbucks that morning of this competition and I have my first ever Americano. Never had an Americano. So my very first espresso shot. And I am automatically wired right up, which is like perfect because you got to be, you know, you're, you're excited and this first time competing. So I'm jacked right up. And there's three events in one day. I think it was three. And I literally had one 500 mil bottle of water that entire day. And we finished this competition and I think, I think I won it. If I didn't win it, I got second. I can't remember. Um, so we finished this competition and we go out for a big beer because, you know, we had cleaned up our eating and, and press for this and stuff. So we have a big schooner beer. And for me, I don't drink a lot. So that is a big deal. And all I've had to this point is an espresso and a one 500 mil bottle of water. And competed in three events. Yeah. So like you're super dehydrated. Yeah. Right. And uh, probably so didn't eat much. Either. My friend that at the time that I was with drops me off at the place I was staying and I end up like convulsively throwing up all night and I end up phoning him to take me to emergency because something was seriously wrong with me and I end up in emergency with an IV stuck in me because the level of dehydration I faced was like like, I have not heard this story really no this is hilarious rookie mistake so whenever I work with the guys around here I'm always like yep you gotta make sure you are hydrating (laughs) 
So that's my first work, oh. my first competition. Never forget that type of type of story. So aside from that, how was that experience for you? Well, it's addicting, right? Like right. all of a sudden you find a little bit of success and you just, you just want more. Mm-hmm. And so after that, I'm like, yeah, no, I, I feel like I can do something with this. And so I signed up for another competition. I think there was one in Saskatoon later that fall. Um, so I did that one and I did really well in that one somewhere on the podium. I don't remember. And it was just one thing after another. And so at what point did you feel, I don't know if it's a confidence thing or like, did you feel the drive to have going to the games as your goal? Cause obviously you were hesitant to do sectionals and local stuff you were like, seemed to be comfortable with, but what, at what point did it change to that? Um, not until after my first year of individual regionals. So I say individual because my first sectional slash regional, it wasn't quite called regionals at the time was with CrossFit Regina's team. I was part of their team just to get a a taste of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but then in 2012, I went as an individual and I placed fourth or no 12th or eighth. So oh my gosh, I don't even remember. Sorry guys, we should have done research a little bit better. (laughs) But, but, um, I was working with one of the most renowned couches coaches in the world at that time. And he trained a lot of games athletes. So he just kind of, you know, I felt confident in the coach I was working with and then seeing the, the reward of all the hard work I had put in and the, the people I was standing next to on the competition floor that also probably played. There was, um, Alicia Connors and Angie Hay at the time who were like, or Angie Pye, sorry. Um, we're kind of Canada West best females. And I was hanging right there with them on the competition floor. So I think at that point I was like, let's go. That's cool. <laughs> How was the team experience for terrible. you? Terrible. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. I will never do that again in my life, which is odd because I've always played team sports in right. my life, but I will never do that again in my life. Was it like the pressure? Um, or what? The in like, yes, pressure, but like the individual pressure. So, and I, um, this is also another story that some have heard too, but like conga line workouts, the worst possible workout, poss- like worst format ever. And especially if you screw up in how you strategize your teammates and what order you go. And that's what happened. We were, I think we were two points out from qualifying for the games and CrossFit Regina had gone to the games the previous year. So there was like a little bit of pressure to, to, you know, perform. And I was someone that wasn't part of their gym was competing with their team. So also that external pressure. And we had this stupid workout. It was a conga line workout. It was the last one. And they put me last. And I, the last movement I think was toast to bar. And we were in a tight race with the team that we needed to beat. And I completely could not do toast to bar in the volume and the capacity that needed to be done by the last person in the conga line. And I solely took that responsibility very hard for missing our chance to go to the games. But it, you know, in reality, when you look back, it's not just that one thing, right, but, but because it was me, your, yeah. yeah, it weighed on me too much and I will yeah. never do that again. <laughs> Even now, like after all your experiences, you would never do it again. No. Like it's no, it's a hard no. Hard no. Okay. Because if I met, if I'm doing this individually and I mess something up, or, or, you know, if I don't get my ticket to the games, like it, I am responsible for that and that, and no one else is responsible for that because I think that I probably would feel the same way. And this is just an honest remark that if that had been someone else in that position, I don't think I, I could have been, you know, and it might make me sound terrible, but like, 
you're just like, it was so obvious. It's hard to not feel guilty about that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure I could handle that. Also being on the other side, being the person that is standing in front of this person that has already completed this workout and looking back at them struggling and being okay with it. Cause I'm just so competitive. Right. Yeah. No, you know? that makes sense. I don't think that makes you sound bad. It well. makes sense. <laughs> I'm sure people can relate. So no, nobody wants to be on a team with me. So, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think for other reasons too, not just that one, but Hey, maybe they will now knowing that you aren't perfect and you can mess up toast bar people pick her for a toast bar workout. She'll make you feel better about yourself. Um, so you've got this goal to get to the games what does your life look like as you're trying to achieve this goal? It it absolutely. Oh, wait, hold on. And had you opened when in this whole thing had the gym opened? It opened um, just before the open when I joined Crosser Regina team. So that was 11. We opened February 11. And in May of 11, that was when we went to our first regionals as a team. So by the time you were... And that was why I competed with Crosshair Regina because we couldn't register the gym um, like to compete for the open because I didn't have all the equipment necessary, et cetera, et cetera. So we were driving every week back and forth to Regina. There was like four or five of us and we would compete as part of their gym. And at the time you could do that. You no longer can do that. But at the time you could do that. that. So when you went individual, you had the gym for about a year. Yes. You've been operating for a year. Okay. So then what did your life look like now that this was your main goal? People don't understand that training for something like that is essentially a part-time job. And nowadays it's a full-time job. I would literally put in 40 plus hours of training. You know, you spend two sessions a day for two to three hours a session and then you have, you're taking a mid afternoon nap because you have to recover. It's just part of it. You have to recover. You're trying to eat all freaking day. And then you have to make sure you go to bed at a proper, at a proper time so that you get the amount of sleep you need at night. Like it is all encompassing. So every- so what would like a day look like? Like what time were you getting up and where were you coaching? How much were you coaching? Ironically, it looks pretty much similar still to this day, but <laughs> just fill but, it with different things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, because this became my life for the next like six, seven years. Right. Um, I'd still wake up at four. I would get some food in. I'd coach a six o'clock class at that time. Oh no, I still wasn't working at that time. So I would coach a six o'clock class. I would probably try and get in a little bit of business work at that point after the classes were done. And then I was training for two, three hours, mid morning. I would eat more food, hit a nap, you know, like a two hour nap. And train I think I would coach the five o'clock class at the time we had a five o'clock class yeah and then after that I train all night eat sleep repeat for six seven days of the week every day looked the same and it, it was crazy because my class we were in that old old building it was 700 square feet of usable space the class is going on 12 15 people plus the coach working out and there I was trying to get my stuff in and it, I mean people were awesome they would work around me and you know, that's now I look back and I'm like, man, that was stupid. That's not how this should be done. But like, I'm super appreciative for the way that people just accommodated around me. Cause holy crap, that, that was a, a big part of my life for, you know, six, seven, eight years. So yeah, for sure. Um, as you progressed through your competitive career, what things did you add into 
your training or your day-to-day life that you found helpful or what things did you get rid of that weren't helpful? Because obviously you evolved from the time you started to when you finished. So what did you add, take away, change? I changed coaches once. um, And I implemented a sports psychologist to help me along. So that was a major key in my last couple of years. Um, we also upgraded the gym and moved, we moved into Mm -hmm. the bigger facility. So that was pretty cool because as I was making the equipment order, I'm also thinking predominantly about myself, the things that I would need and how I could set this building up to best mimic what regionals would look like and the equipment I was using. Mm -hmm. So that was very, that was quite helpful at that time too. Um, other than that, I don't know. Those are the main staples I would say. I, I mean, Mark came into my life as well. So my training partner was, that was an absolute must. You needed someone to Mm -hmm. provide that competitive aspect for you and just the camaraderie because man, those days get lonely. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, what did the sports psychologist add to your game? That was a, that was a change. And I'm not just going to say about my training, but like my life that was very impactful Um, I've always been interested in the mental side of things, regardless of what it is, whether it's sport, business, life, blah, blah, blah. So um, Dawn and I really attached to each other very well. Like the stuff she was getting me to do, I needed in my life at that time because, you know, as I was seeing it impact both my competitive side, I was seeing it impact my business side, my relationship side, et cetera, et cetera. So that was just like imperative, you know, learning how to adapt, learning how to understand your attitude and how that impacts different things. Like that seems like just such a blanket statement, but there's so much detail behind something as simple as that is understanding how your attitude affects your mental state and, you know, all that stuff. Um, It was literally just like all the major details that you don't pay attention to unless someone else makes you. Mm-hmm. And that was imperative in the last couple of years of my career. Cool. Career. I don't know if you call it that. But. Oh, for sure. It's a career. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you miss, I know you say that like your life schedule kind of is pretty much the same, but is there any parts of like competing that you miss? Um, yeah, like I, I do to a certain point just miss everything. Like I miss how I miss the discipline that I had in my life during those years in my life. Like I don't have that discipline today. And I, there are days where I look back and I'm like, man, like look at how I looked or like, look at how aggressive I was at making sure I went to sleep at this time or, or, you know, all those little making sure that the details were being taken care of and just how focused I was on myself I mean, my life has changed and other people have come into my life and the business and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I don't focus on myself nearly as much. And there are days that I miss that. I miss the training. Like I do. And I look back and I'm like, man, I hated so many days. There's days where I was just like, this sucks. And I look back now and I'm like, man, why was I acting like that? Because I don't have that now. So you miss it. Right. So ironic. That's kind of ironic that I'm saying that now. I didn't realize that till right now. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, yeah, I miss the training. I miss, I just, I just miss how encompassing it was for my entire life. Like everything was towards that one thing. 
you know, Mm -hmm. but at the same time too, it also took away from other things as you shift your priorities, other things get less attention. So like my relationship wasn't the center of things. My business for sure wasn't the center of things. So, you know, during those years, the growth of the business was nothing like it's been now there. The coaching is nothing like it's been, you know, I've just been able to Mm -hmm. pour my attention into so much more. Mm -hmm. And because of that, others get to reap more out of it. So, you know, I'm glad that I have this time and I've made this time to do those things, but yeah, there are days I miss that. And that's just my competitive side to me. Life looks different now though. So well, as it should. <laughs> um, what are some things or like even habits that you've taken away from that process that are, you still stick with in your everyday life? Because obviously you're not competing competitive, competitively, but there probably are lots of habits that still follow you along from that process. Training wise, like, like I still work out alone for the most part. So there again, let's go back to that. Like there are days where I don't want to be there doing what I'm doing. And just a matter of like having the mental skills to talk myself through when I feel like that to get the work done in some way, shape or form. Um, that's probably one of them, you know, as well as making that a schedule for myself, like, you know, eight o'clock or 11 o'clock or whatever it was at that time, that was my workout time and no one else and nothing else came in front of that. And while I'm a little bit more lenient on that now, you know, 8am is my time, 9am is my time. And that's, I've scheduled that in, mm-hmm. um, the, the mental aspect of things, you know, that will stay with me forever. Just how it taught me to adapt, how it taught me, you know, to lose with humbleness and, you know, things like that, just that the mental capacity of it all just will stick with me forever and impact everything that I do from that point on out you know, this COVID stuff being a a prime example of learning to adapt and just continuing to see the opportunity and everything. That's something that I learned from her, or at least she made me learn kind of thing. So nutrition wise, the discipline that I had at that time, you know, again, while I don't have that a hundred percent discipline, I still have the structure and the knowledge of what it takes for myself. So when I do really need to dial things in, I know exactly how to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that will stick with me forever. For sure. Um, question. Well, thanks. I try. Um, what are some things that you are glad since you've stopped competing that have come back into your life or that you have more time for now? Uh, the business, number one, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, basketball, number two. So that was something that obviously I had to give up right at the very beginning and near the end of my career, just looking for something to do and a change of pace got back into refereeing. And now that I don't have this crazy intensive training regime, I have been able to make that a sole focus of an additional career. And, and that's been really awesome. So I'm glad that, you know, I've had that opportunity to now take the same principles from my training before mm-hmm. these goals that I've had before and now apply them to these major goals I have with my refereeing stuff. Um, yeah, that, and just, just being able to be a lot more laid back about my general life. <laughs> You know, Not so rigid. I don't have to go to bed at eight o'clock every night. Yeah, for sure. I still do just because. <laughs> 4 a.m. comes exactly. very early. <laughs> exactly. Um, what 
made you decide to stop competing? Just the mental toll that it takes, you know, I, the mental toll. And I could see that some of these other areas in my life were drawing more attention from me. And it, it was just coming to a point where I couldn't ignore that anymore or keep fighting it back. So things like my relationship in the business and, you know, you just have to be mature enough to understand that like I've been doing this for six, seven, eight years. And can I physically and mentally keep pouring as much as I was into it and continue it on? And for what, you know, mm-hmm. because as I was getting a little bit better and a little bit better, more people were entering the scene because they had changed the way regionals were. Mm-hmm. And was it realistic for me to achieve the things I wanted to achieve? Not really when you're standing there competing next to Lauren Fisher, and Brooke Ents and things like that. So mm-hmm. You know, you just have to be mature enough to understand where you lie on that and and make the adjustments accordingly. Do you think if you were still competing and the way that they've made their changes to have sanctionals, what would that look like for you? Would, would that change your mind to stop competing, do you think, with all that additional travel and expense? No, I think it's actually really good for the athletes because now they have control over how they they set up their cycles and stuff like that instead of it all amping up for one thing mm-hmm. and having only one shot mm-hmm. at it. I think it's great from an athlete standpoint. Mm-hmm. It's definitely hard to keep track of as a spectator, yeah, but sure. as an athlete, I think it's great. Do you wish you were still competing so you can experience this way of no. competition? No. no. <laughs> nope. Hard no. Not for Another that. No, not no. for that reason. Okay. Um, favorite competition you ever went to? Ooh. Favorite competition I ever went to. And why? Well, without putting regionals in there. Well, I guess you could put regionals. I in could, there. but I won't because none of the local competitions really stand up to the way that those are run. Okay. So probably my favorite competition would be the ones out in BC. They used to run a West Coast Triple Classic where there was like three competitions. They formed a Triple Crown kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, just the BC people, they've become lifetime friends for me. And, you know, they always treated me just with the utmost it was just awesome being out there. They were always great run and the people were awesome. And the judges were awesome. And I've had some of the best memories out there. Probably those. Okay. I, I won my first one out there. So that was exciting. There you go. <laughs> um, your team competition experience aside, what was your worst competition experience? <laughs> um, the most heart-wrenching one was the one where I was so close to getting a games ticket and lost it on one workout and one movement, those legless rope climbs that, (laughs) you know, as much as that is the worst memory that I have, it was also the most rewarding memory because of so many things became from that moment that I wouldn't have had the opportunity if I would have excelled in that moment, if that makes any sense. So Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for the struggle that moment provided because Mm -hmm all that came from that has been things you could not learn otherwise, you know? So that workout, I forget what the exact, uh, what the exact workout was, but it was 2014. And, you know, leading up to that regionals, I was pretty slated to end up high in the rankings. And, you know, I had the confidence to grab that ticket at that time. There were only two tickets. So you had to be first or second to get those tickets Um, and I was very, very confident that I was going to get one. And, uh, 
I was ready. And before I had left, I had tested that workout and had legless rope climbs, no problem, you know, but that was on my thin little rope in my small little gym. And in that small little gym, it's all, you know, it's very tightly closed in. So you were probably by yourself. I was by myself. <laughs> my fear of heights was yeah. negligent at that point or yeah. negligible at that point because of the way the building was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember getting to the warm up area and I think I'm pretty sure Mark was with me and I, I'm in the warm up area. I do one and I get maybe halfway up the rope. And I I don't know if many of our listeners know what the Olympic oval looks like in Richmond, but it is basically like just that an oval. So the ceiling ramps up into like an arch and it is, and like the building is gigantic. So while regionals are taking place in one little one third of the building, you know, on the other side, there's hockey arenas, basketball courts, like everything. So it is like vast. Mm -hmm. And I remember getting up about halfway on this rope and I, it's the vastness in my peripheral vision that kicks in and, and heightens up my, my sense, my fear of heights. And I just come down and I say to Mark, I was like, that's high. And he was like, so what? Like, you know, you've done this where, you know, you can, no big mm-hmm. deal. And so I only did one of those half climbs in the practice in the, in the warm up area before I went on the floor. I think at this point I'm sitting second or third, probably third, I think. So like, I am so close to getting this games and it was event five, I believe could be wrong. I kind of have blacked out that whole weekend from my memory. And so I climb up first rep, perfect. Come down and you have to run in between and go and move your chest piece. So I go move my chest piece and I come back and I go to jump up for the second leg of rope climb. Cannot get up. I get about halfway and I freeze and I come back down and I'm standing there and like, when you get in that moment when like everything is riding on this one thing and I'm standing there and I, my body is like shutting down on me and you're standing there and you're, you literally are like, I don't know why I can't do this because like, I know that I can, mm-hmm. like I have, yeah. and you're standing there and you're just like, I don't know why. And these people, they had the rope in the rig and the crowd was maybe like 15 feet away from you. And these people are yelling at you and, I remember how loud it was. And then all of a sudden it just went silent and I am standing there and I'm looking at Mark and like, he can tell and like, he can tell the sheer panic that's setting in. And Mark has this really like calming thing about him. And that's why him and I work really well. And he's, he's trying to keep me calm just the way he looks at me. And my coach is sitting right there. My best friend is sitting right there and they're both like, why aren't you getting up this rope? And it was just a terrible 10 or 12 minutes or however that long that workout was. And I remember walking off that floor and, and just like, it was, it was weird because the guy who would then become my coach was one of the first ones to come up to me as I'm walking off the floor. And, you know, I, I don't remember what he said it to me in the moment, but I just remember he was one of the first ones to come up to me at that time. And I just kind of like shrugged him off and walked right by him. And I remember going all the way to the opposite end of the building and like sitting against the hockey rink and just, Mark could not find me because I just left and I'm, I'm just like absolutely crying because I don't know what just happened. And all I know is there's no way I can recover from that. Cause I don't have the skills right now mentally to mm-hmm. recover from that. Mm-hmm. And that was day two. And I came back on day three and like, I just, that was the worst day three I've ever had because I, I could not get out of that. It was awful. And we're in the, so they take, I think I placed eighth after that. And so they take the top 10 for drug testing and all that stuff after the event is over. And I remember standing in the back room with all the other girls and this, this girl had got second Aaron light 
she comes up, she's from the Yukon. She comes up to me and she, she grabs me and she hugs me. And there was another girl that also got her ticket, Emily Beers. Um, and she grabs me. And I think it was her that said, said to me, I can't remember one of them hugged me and said to me, and she's like, this was supposed to be yours. And like, if that's not (laughs) enough to just completely rip you apart Uh inside, that's another thing. Yeah. That was awful. So I was, that was a terrible moment for me, but at the same time, there was a lot of stuff that was about to come from that moment. And then did that same event event reappear in 2016 or was it just the legless? Just the legless rope climb. So in 15, it was like regular rope climbs. Um, it was a hero workout and in 16, it was legless rope climbs and Mm -hmm. thrusters and it was a fast workout. Mm -hmm. It was three, two, one legless rope climbs. Yeah. And uh, like, is it the last event? Yes. The weekend, the last event on the weekend and same thing in prep too. Like, so now the new gym was open and I purposely strung the roper I did because I, you know, it kind of mimicked the way Mm -hmm. it was, how it made me feel like the openness Mm -hmm. of it at the top of the rope. And, uh, you know, by then my skill had progressed. So now I can for sure do these and I I can do them well Mm -hmm. and I can do them fast. Mm -hmm. And now it was a matter of like, okay, I'm in the same scenario now, a different location. Cause now we're in, uh, at that time it was Oregon, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was just a matter of like, I don't care how this whole entire weekend goes. I don't care how this entire weekend goes. I just need this one event for me to get redemption. And um, that was a really cool moment for me. And, and I think a lot of people in the gym, like in the old gym would have seen the four banners above the, mm-hmm. the doorway yeah. there. And I, there was always my legless rope climb picture up there. And I specifically put that one up there because that p- picture will forever mean the most to me probably in my entire life. And that was my last, or no, that was my, I had two reps left. So that would have been like my first rope climb. Mm. Because it went three, two, one. Right. No, just kidding. Because the clock is in the background of that picture, and that clock says the time. That is my last real, real climb. I'm wrong. It has the it has the time on you it. You have the worst memory. Yeah, but you. Can that's what it that. is. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I remember going up that rope, coming back down, doing my second set of thrusters, and I come running back to the rope, and I look at Mark. And I, I just have this biggest smile on my face because I know I'm about to get this. And I climb up the rope and I remember slapping that down crossfire on the top so hard and s- to make sure that I got yeah. the rep and I slid down and I ran your run, I all your the run. way to the end. And I was just, I've never felt like that. I could have, I'm pretty sure I sat down on the end. Once I crossed the finish line, I just cried. I was like, it was just such a sense of relief. You know, it was like pure redemption. And there was maybe like, 0.1% of the people in that stadium at the time knew why knew. Yeah. All the people that were with us, a few of my friends, you know, competitor yeah. friends that would have been there during mm-hmm. it with me mm-hmm. and the announcer guy, the MC. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. My Cause buddy he came Ryan. up and talked to you after. Didn't yeah. He? yeah. Ryan was also yeah. the announcer at the other regionals mm-hmm. and he was announcing again. And he knew when I stepped out on the floor, like this, this was it. Mm-hmm. And I will forever appreciate that out of him because, you know, it was, it's yeah. cool when, when people understand just how badly something means to you. Yeah. So, yeah. So that poster is about to go back up, you guys. So when you see that poster, now you know the story. Yeah. <laughs> and why it's up there. For sure. Um, if you could do it all over again, what would you change? What would you do differently? Like my entire. Sure. If we go right back. Oh, my gosh. Right back to when you decided to go team for that first year. <laughs> 
I don't know that I would change anything. Nothing. I appreciate all the struggles because there's so many learning opportunities out of them. You know, I would never wish for it to go perfectly. I would never Mm -hmm. wish for that competition to have given me my ticket because you know what, there was just so much to learn about myself in that moment of defeat that not only changed me for the next year, but like it, it built my character Mm -hmm. period, Mm -hmm. you know, how I carried myself forward. So I'm not sure that I would change anything. When you always talk to you about that final end goal isn't actually the important part. It's all those little things that lead up to that, that actually impact your life or change your life or are rewarding as opposed to like that final end yeah, piece. Because you know what, if I would have very well had gotten a ticket, the, like you, you're literally like, okay, I got this. Now what? You right. know, like it, yeah. you just, you there's always something to chase, but it's the rewarding pieces happen in between. Mm-hmm. And I tell that to everybody, like mm-hmm. we get so outcome goal focused, whether it's nutrition or the workout simply of the day, when you come in, you're, you know, yeah. but it's, it's everything that happens in between. That's where the value is. And when you first start out, you don't see that no. okay. and you do not see it honestly until you have finished. When you get to that point, even if you don't get to that point, if you aren't successful there, it's still not till that point when you look back and you're like, okay, there's all the gold. And it was Mm -hmm. in between. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Any other fun stories to share? I don't know. I don't know. As much as I like talking about myself, I don't like talking about myself. Well, the listeners like to hear (laughs) your story. I like to hear it. I think it's interesting. I think because um, I spent a lot of time with you during your 2016 year, just well, we were around each other a lot. And I remember thinking like, I've never met somebody who is so focused on a goal and the follow through. Like, I think that's a unique characteristic that you don't come across in your everyday life. And I guess I see it more now when you're in the CrossFit world, but being new at that time, like having goals and following through and stuff like that was not on my radar um, till like I met you and the gym and stuff. So that's pretty cool. So am I still like that? Oh, a hundred percent. I don't, <laughs> yeah, no, that's like who you are. I think that's a defining feature of you. And did I teach you anything? Yes. At that time? Yep. What would be the biggest takeaway? <sighs> Your turn on the hot seat now. No, this is not how this works. (laughs) I was the interviewer. I think just setting goals. I don't think I ever set goals. And we've talked about this before. I don't think I ever set a goal in my life until I started CrossFit and started seeing you have all these goals, whether they were big or small. Like, I don't think that was something I would do regularly. And now I got lots of goals. And I'm on that the process to achieving those goals is more of the reward and where all the good stuff is. Like you said, I think that's my focus is there, See, but you didn't know that. When I you did began. not know that. No. And now you're seeing it. Now you're that some so of those. Wise. Oh, you're yeah. so wise. Just pat yourself so. on the back a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting. And I think it's, it's well, for me, it was contagious, like that energy and that passion and drive towards something. And see, I don't ever remember a point in my life where that didn't exist in me. 
Do you think that came from like your early on like basketball? Like, did it I think it's just my drive to win. There? Like, I just I'm so competitive and I want to win. Doesn't matter what I'm doing, and because of that, I will do anything to win. <laughs> You're laughing at me, but like you know, it's true. <laughs> no, I know, I know it's true. That's why I'm laughing. Like, like I remember until you get caught in the that you have. <laughs> like I remember playing indoor soccer, and I was just young, and we would lose games. Like this is just rec soccer, and I would walk out of Columbia School in tears, and my mom would give me the "Don't be a sore loser." Thing. And I just always remember thinking like, she doesn't understand how badly I want to win. Like I'm not being a sore loser. I just so badly want to win. And maybe when I started playing basketball and same thing, like Mr. Hayden had the biggest belief in me that I could be great if only I worked for it. And he kind of taught me that work ethic, ethic I guess. <laughs> so maybe that's when all the other little mini pieces came in. Like, you know, yeah, I didn't I party and, and do the yeah. things that my friends were doing because I knew that that would take away from the training and all the time I was putting in to try and be great at basketball. But like, yeah, I don't really remember a point in my life and maybe that's just who I am and my personality. And it's so odd to me when I encounter people that don't have goals. Like I remember when you told me that and it's just like even the littlest of things, like having a small goal, you know, that just doesn't compute to me. My brain doesn't work that way. And maybe I did have goals, but maybe I didn't like approach them or put focus on them like I do now. And I think I got that from you for sure. Like the planning and what does it look like? Like what do you have to do to put into this goal and all of that stuff? Like maybe I did, but just not to the extent that I do now. It's like, and it's, it's cool. Like we could have a whole episode just on goal setting, <laughs> but, but now I think it just feels wrong not to have a goal, like, or good. like something, <laughs> <good>. <laughs> something that you are working towards. And I think like those big scary goals that might never happen. I think I, I have some of those, right? Like, and I wouldn't have before, but you can have some credit for that. I laugh too because we've talked about whether or not we could go into a competition together as partners. <laughs> and the answer is always a hard no. <laughs> I don't get why people are scared to be my partner. I want to be your partner, but you, you, we've talked about this. We've talked about doing it and then we always end up on no, we can't. Because we're very different people when it comes to competition. <laughs> I mean, Nicole and I made it out just fine for the few partner competitions we did. Would Nicole have the same answer? I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Maybe we we'll have to interview Nicole. We'll have to ask her. We'll do a follow-up. <laughs> like, I, I would. It would definitely be a learning experience. It's not that I'm afraid to be your partner. Well, everyone just talks about us so much. They don't. No, no, no. I would, but I... Would you be my partner? That's the question. I'm done competing. This is why we're <laughs> see, doing this interview. See, no, she would not be my partner. I'm not competitive enough for her liking. Anyway, it's, it's cool now, you know, with some of the people that I work with privately and we've got Hallie mm -hmm. Bennett doing really awesome things that, you know, I get to carry some of these lessons that I've learned along the way and now share them and inspire like it's it's really cool to to help Hallie incorporate some of these things now I'm excited about that and some of the other private clients that I've also shared some of these tidbits with and, and continually work with them on like I think that 
this whole, you know, the last six, seven, eight years of my life and all the things I've learned, like has now given me a new purpose in my life. Like I know that my purpose in my life is to, to help people, mm-hmm. but to now have this sort of tool in my back pocket that I can now inspire a younger generation, you know, sometimes maybe an older generation above me, but like, well, yeah. And I think too, like that experience is crazy and not like not many people have that experience yeah. and you can go to other gyms and have awesome coaches, but you have this extra layer that you can now offer. And even to the general population, when it comes to the open, you have lots of tips for us from your experience. Or if we are sending people off to competitions, you have experience to pass on to them. And I think that is super valuable that, again, not many can offer, which is really neat that we have that here. I you know, I look back on that whole thing and it's just, it's been such a valuable one third of my life. <laughs> it's crazy how much time it has taken up, but, but truly, you know, I got to travel so many different places. I got to meet so many different people. I got to work under so many different people. You know, it's, it's kind of funny. Like sometimes the clowns will be like, Oh, I watched this thing about uh, Mike Bergen, Bergenger. And I'm like, yeah, been to his garage worked out with him you know I've I've done his certification along there right side him Mm -hmm. you know all the other people too like I've just I've had such great opportunities Mm -hmm. as a result of this and you know not only has that helped me become a better athlete but it it definitely enabled me to become a better coach and so I'm just I'm just really grateful for the opportunities I had as a part of that and I mean that part I will never you know I'll never forget that or I don't know what the word is I'm trying to think of but yeah just a really valuable piece of my life cool um okay last question from everything you've learned in your competition journey what would be like one piece of advice that you could give to somebody whether they have like a goal to compete or just like they are pursuing a goal in general Two things. Oh, okay. Fear is never a a good enough reason not to do something and don't be afraid to tell people. So people get scared to do something and they let fear dictate that for them. They're like, no, I'm not going to do that because it scares me. Well, you know, the amount of time and effort that this goal was going to make me have to put in scared me, Mm -hmm. but fear is never a good enough reason not to do something. And then don't be afraid to tell people about it because if you try and keep it to yourself, you don't have the opportunity to gather knowledge and experience from those around you. Yes, people might judge you, but at the end of the day, all that matters is what happens between you and yourself. Mm -hmm. Somebody's opinion of your goal or what your decision is means nothing. Um, I was very vocal about my goals and I still am to some capacity and that part doesn't phase me because you know if somebody thought for a second that I wasn't capable of going to the games that was on them that was their opinion it had nothing to do with the amount of work and effort I was putting in and same now with the the professional goals that I have now it's it if, whether I make it or not is entirely dependent on what I do and that's all that matters so don't let fear dictate for things for you and don't be afraid to talk to people I like it that's my advice Cool. If you have any other questions, hey, don't be afraid to send me a text or shoot an email to us. You're, you're going to be so famous on Monday. <laughs> like your phone is going to light up with 
messages. You're I just, I, I love sharing this experience with others. So if you have other questions, don't be afraid to ask. Um, I might talk your ear off, but Hey, that's okay. But other way, other than that, I definitely appreciate that you guys, you know, we've had this suggestion sent to us a few times you know, we want to know more about you guys. And even in just conversations within the gym and stuff, passing through classes, people always have like curious questions and stuff. So this is, this is something that we knew we had to do. And mm-hmm. if, if uh, we missed an avenue or missed something that you were wondering about, just fire it off. Hey, I'm you can follow always, up next week. always good for a coffee, <laughs> coffee and a chat. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thanks for listening guys.